This is Views in Paradox. Classics. Welcome, any and all, to VIP Classics, a spin-off uh, show we have going, uh, sort of a highbrow version of the Views and Paradox Film Club podcast, uh, in which uh, three uh, self-proclaimed filmmakers are going over some seminal classics and uh, dissecting them as uh, intelligently and as best we can. Um, this week's episode is covering The Seventh Steel, Ingmar Bergman's, Ingmar Bergman's seminal classic from 1957, uh, which put him onto the world stage. Uh, this film was, uh, it won the, the jury prize at Cannes Film Festival way back in 1957, uh, and really kind of uh, put him and uh, Max von Sydow onto uh, the world stage. So this uh, film was uh, nominated for this uh, podcast by Jose. Uh, this was my first watch of it. Um, uh, oh, I guess I kind of glossed over our intros. I'm your host, John Olson. Uh, I am joined uh, for the entirety of this series by Jose Venutola. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. And Daniel Gibson. Also welcome. Hey, what's up? Hello. Uh, with some awesome uh, green lipstick today. That's right. I called it out. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. You got to go big or go out. Yeah. Uh, so if you're just listening, you know, maybe peek over on the, the video to check that out. <laughs> uh, uh, while I'm at it, uh, if you're if you're listening to this, please give us a, a like, a subscribe, depending on uh, how you're watching it. Maybe leave a review if you like it. Um, this uh, will be a spoiler-filled episode, as all of our episodes are. Uh, we'll probably go over the plot just a little bit. Uh, but it helps to have seen the film. If you haven't, though, and are just kind of curious uh, about some thoughts on Seven Seal, by all means, stick around. Give it a listen. Um, Jose, uh, I'd like to start with you. Uh, why, why this film? Have you seen it before? Um, give us a little bit of lowdown. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I had seen it before, um, but it was a long time ago, and and this this watched felt like like a first watch to a certain degree. Like I remember certain scenes, I remember I remember certain moments, but but I could not like if you asked me before before this watch, I would be like I cannot tell you the plot from beginning to end. Now I feel that I can. Um, the reason why I chose it. Uh, when we were when we were determining the kind of movies, I had to switch a couple of choices that I had that were a little more obscure or difficult to find, or or maybe like a link too too controversial for like what we're doing right now. So then my mind went to like a safe bet uh, from you know something that is not that is not as as common, but is well known as Ick Berman's uh, Seventh Seal, um, which is feel. I mean, I feel that this movie. This movie set a lot of a lot of um, cliches and standards, uh, or characters that have been portrayed 
over and over on several iterations and then most people probably do not know that it comes from this film and then I wanted also to, to portray that I mean that this this is the, the personification of death that Bill and Ted uses this personification of death that in Last Action Hero comes out of the screen you know like this is yeah. very much in the side guys and have been like recreated and then just like Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey like the, the, the whole beginning uh, had been or the whole thing with the monkeys and the, like it's been recreated several times so I wanted to choose this film because I knew that we, we could go into it and a lot of people could connect to it. Yeah, our, it's our first uh, film with dialogue so far. Uh, we're still we're still black and white and we will be for most of the run. It's also our first uh, non-German film. Our first non-German <laughs> film. Uh, we're still, well, sure. we still have yet to do an American film and it's going to be a couple more before we get to some of those. Um, yeah, Swedish film. Uh, Danielle, uh, what what are some of your kind of just initial thoughts, I guess, before we kind of get into more of the nitty and the gritty? I, you know, it's the word that comes to mind is iconic. Um, it, of course, it sets the standard for a lot of um, movies that come after it, um, but it does it, it does it so well. It, it I don't want to get too into every single scene which because we're about to do that but i i feel like it made its point it did it in such a beautiful simple but complex way i don't know if that makes sense because it's like you, you can watch every scene you can like get like just the first impression and you it, but there's so much to think about for later if that yeah makes I, sense. yeah Very deceptively concise. simple maybe um deceptively deceptively simple, simple. Yes. that's an excellent yeah so it's it it made me feel very like I, I felt like it was very consumable, but I felt very emotional after, but also like it, it made me emotional in a like a somber kind of way, but also I had more appreciation for life at the same time. Yeah, it was I felt very, very pensive beautiful in that way. After after viewing this yeah. movie. Just kind of like thoughtful. Like I wasn't really mm -hmm. sad per se. But I was just kind of like in a weird, like even state after I came out of this movie of just like, huh, what is life? <laughs> you know, life. Life. <laughs> it's yeah. you know like it's. I feel I feel like on this watch I felt that it's the kind of film that's not trying to hide its meaning, but just be very blunt and upfront with it, and I, and that I makes it easier to follow. But it, but um, I mean, depending on where you are within that concept, with it and that thought about death and meaning, and uh, um, and how you would feel in the face of it, I feel that depending on where you are in life, this film could give you a lot of food for thought at the beginning of your life, and then towards the end of your life, it just feels more like, or at least you know, like on the middle of it, as where I am, uh, it feels more like these are considerations that I have had, these are thoughts that I have had, and it's just like it feels nice to know that other people before me had them in the same philosophical structure that the film presents, but it's not hiding. It's not hiding within these scenes. It's just very blunt. This is what it is about. The dialogue is basically also almost like narrating the plot, um, which makes it easier to consume to my, to my point of view. Yeah. Um, this film was not what I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting something a little bit, I, I don't know, more, uh, I was expecting something existential, but I was expecting something moodier or like more somber, more morose. 
and it's oftentimes very playful. Um, you do kind of feel like you're watching a stage production a lot of the times, which I know it began as a stage production that uh, Bergman wrote and then adapted into a film a couple years later. Um, just to give a quick kind of overview synopsis, there is uh, a knight, uh, Antonius Block, uh, played by Max von Sydow, who uh, has just come home from the Crusades um, with his squire, John's Jans in tow. And uh, right up front, death comes for him. And uh, he challenges death to a game of chess in order to buy himself some extra time on the earth. And supposedly, if he wins, uh, then he will get out of death altogether. That's sort of the terms that they set. Uh, then the rest of the movie is a journey sort of from the shore to his, uh, his ancestral home. He's a lord, uh, as, as knights in the Crusades were. And so it's a journey uh, from the shore to his, his castle. And along the way, they pick up a motley crew and they examine life in the time of uh, the plague and just sort of some medieval uh, tropes and anachronisms. Uh, and, you know, we question whether God exists and what is the point of life and, uh, you know, have this little kind of ongoing uh, duel with death, if you will. So uh, there's a lot more nuance to the film, and we will talk about it kind of under the premise that you've seen it. So uh, I do recommend watching it. I think this was uh, the easiest watch so far, uh, for sure. Uh, we're only three in, but uh, I, I felt like this one was a really kind of easy, pleasant watch compared to uh, Metropolis, which was very dense, and, you know, Nosferatu, which just feels really old, <laughs> uh, for lack of a, a more nuanced way of putting it. Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of, I didn't write very many notes. I don't know about you guys. Jose wrote a, a fair number of notes more than I did. I just kind of like let it wash over me because there is something simple about it. Um, and I did have a number of questions of like, why is that there? I had kind of those, but I didn't really have kind of my usual like breakdowns of the film. I mean, uh, Danielle, you're kind of nodding along with me. Yeah. Uh, was that kind of your impression too? Like you, like, what did you make of this, <laughs> this film? Yeah, I, I only wrote it's, and when I say a page of notes, I have like a notebook that's like, I, I forget what size it is. It's not like a full sheet of printer paper. Um, um, I wrote down like different thoughts that I had or things that they said, like questions that our knight um, said, especially when he first comes across the priest who's actually death in disguise. Um, I, I wrote more reactions um, that I had, like if I was confused, there was only one moment that I was confused. It was in the beginning when you first see them start their game of chess and then later you see him walking across the beach and I was like, oh, was that a dream is that really happening which is probably you know is to be expected and then you don't really realize it until he, he talks to the priest you're like oh this is like going on throughout the whole thing and i kind of understood that's what it was like it was used for the structure of it um but i 
I feel like it just made me think a lot of things about life and that's what I wrote um if that makes sense um or I wrote down different lines just because I felt like like literally I wrote holy shit these this guy's questions like especially like that's like because I was like surprised I was like oh this guy is going through an existential crisis like it seemed like he was very faithful in um in his beliefs and now he is like you know why is God why is it so cruel why is God so cruelly like unseeable untouchable like he's like outside of our senses we have to it seems like like yeah like yeah the idea that you go on the crusades you're convinced to do it for god and you come back to the plague you know yeah Uh, and just you know death and kind of misery all around uh but happiness too right i mean i think that there's that is kind of like for me it was kind of like the overall message of the film was like Mm -hmm. even amidst death and despair there is there are moments to appreciate right there's like that scene where he really appreciates but um maybe we maybe it's a good idea to kind of break down some of the scenes i think that might be a good way yeah. to, to talk about this um though uh, i i think I, I wanted to kind of go off of what you said about the scene where death is disguised as a priest so they come to a small church mm-hmm. and he goes to the confession and he's talking to the priest and you know, uh, at the end, it turns out to death. It turns out to be death. But I had the feeling that he knew. I did mm. you guys like? Uh, it, to me, it felt like. You know, and he even kind of implies that later because death uses the moment to like learn what his strategy is. But I felt like, why would he even yeah. bring it up with a with a priest? You know, I feel like he kind of felt like he already knew he was talking to death. Did you guys have a different take on that uh, interaction or? I took it. Um, I didn't see it as him knowing it was death because he did seem semi surprised when he said, Oh, I'll remember that. And he stood up and he's like, Oh, you, but, but maybe that's just me seeing it for the surface level, like presentation of it. Um, yeah, if you're trying to he, trick death, I feel like you'd have to be a little bit clever, right? <laughs> like you yeah. couldn't you couldn't let him <laughs> know it wasn't, but yeah, that you're yeah. on to him. Right, right. That's true. Do you have a different take, Jose? Um, <clears throat> I mean, now that you mention it, uh, you do see you see them starting the game. Then the next time that you see them together is at the church, and then he reveals his next move. And, and then, as Daniel said, he seems genuinely surprised that that is death. Um, but there's a part of me that felt that feels like you, John, like feels like he knew. And then later in the movie, he makes a move, and then death said, "Now I'm gonna take your horse." And he says, "Like this is what I, I always wanted because now you need to defend your king." So it makes me feel more like he pretended to not know it was death to trick him into giving a false. Uh, a false move that he was intending to make just to mm-hmm. just to make death uh, not really know where he was going and then he gave it gave him enough time to keep uh, to keep alive because you know like we know that at the end of the day you can 
beat it. Um, but it, but you know, like uh, the certainty of these, I don't know not because I don't think that the movie makes it clear. Um, but it's one sure. of the assumptions. It's like that he was playing death all along, and then yeah. death just fell in the trap. And it's kind of like these two. It's the battle of wits between yeah. these and two. And I feel like uh, <laughs> there's like three or four, if you count the first kind of main like scenes where he actually is playing chess with death. Uh, most of the rest of the movie has, you know, kind of acts like that's not a thing. Um, which I was kind of surprised at the beginning when the, ch- when the game is delayed, like I expected it to be much more like heady and cerebral. And then when it turned out to be like this kind of journey film, I was, I was initially just surprised by that. Um, but like the follow-up scenes are interesting because um, he's like, that's like the, he has that conversation with death in the church. And then the next time they talk, they actually play and we get that sort of back and forth. Uh, But at that point, he's already had this like happy moment that he says he'll remember. He gives like this really nice speech about it. And it seems like at that point, he's like ready to accept his fate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then he kind of pulls the like oh I fooled you kind of bit and it, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be real I actually I feel like I had almost a an opposite interpretation of what you guys did because I thought in that moment I felt like he was like on the retreat I think he, I thought he was like trying to make up for having been found out and he was like oh yes just like yeah, maybe you were supposed to this whole time oh. I don't know but it's I feel like on a second watch I, it's probably meant to be you're probably meant to question yeah. that um but i but the thing that it makes me realize it, it brings out this metaphor that like life is just a game of chess with death like because in this world at least you know you see the youngest character who's mike michael um and then you see yeah, like Mikhail, everyone else who's older and you see ev- Mikhail, mm-hmm. Mikhail, yeah um and you know, everyone around, it's so easy to die. Like the, the world is so not friendly. There's so much like disease and death and like weird people who have either the oppression of like, oh, are we just gonna sit around and be entertained by gestures and clowns and actors all day? Are we gonna go around the world whipping ourselves to like hope for a better life, but also make ourselves miserable? And um, it just, it to me, it, that makes me feel like it's just this big allegory or this big um just like reflection or or there's a there's a um a quote i wrote it said um the emptiness inside of us is like a mirror that um there's like indifferent like this indifference that i have towards the emptiness in myself and there's a, this amazing like zoom and push in at that moment so i like it really stuck with me and it made me think about it so it just um I feel like I just went like rambled, but I hope that made sense. It just, it made me think of it as a whole. Yeah, and I think there's an interesting uh, point of like, the goal isn't necessarily to win, right? It's just to like drag it out. And I feel like there is a moment where like that moment with the chess piece and like the strategy, there is definitely this question of like, did he mean to do that? Or is he just trying to like cover his own blunder? Right. But then later he does trick death during the game when he knocks over the pieces, mm-hmm. he helps the the actor and and Mikhail and the mother of Mikhail, um, you know, the actor's wife and their kid. He helps them get away. 
right? By distracting mm-hmm. death with the game, like he uses it to prolong somebody else's life, right? He does like something right. truly noble. And in that sense, it is like a victory, right? He does kind of outsmart death and and trick him, at least for a time, right? Because like, yeah, there's no getting around it, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, nothing is nothing, and no one escapes me, as death as death tells us. Uh, one thing between those two scenes that I feel like I'd have to watch it again to really come to my own conclusion. But the first scene where it's that beautiful scene where he's like, "I'm going to remember this for a long time." First of all, I feel like we have to have a conversation on how beautiful the scene that is. Mm. But before we get there when death reappears and he just walks up and like has their like playing chess and in the background we see everyone just seemingly watching them at least that that's what it seemed it seems so trippy but like so purposefully done like it's like you know we have it's just i don't know it just seems so surreal to me and then like later on you know no one had the urgency of like um of like oh we have to escape death we have to go it's just people were like living in that moment and then later on when um the husband wakes up and he's like oh i see death we have to go part of me was like but if death's not there for them like do they have something to fear but also they did just see, yeah. never mind they never are mind. The, they saw they all those like really horrifying I mean, just the idea of being in the presence of death you know um mm-hmm. but they but they were in the field is the thing which is why i was like wondering why they felt it more so in the forest than in the yeah, field. Maybe it's because but they'd seen they the guy see, die like, from horrifying plague, things. right? Because that's it's that's it's true. pretty short. It's pretty <laughs> close after that, right? Where they they run into a guy who's got the plague in the forest, and they're and just they like, the... "Stay back!" <laughs> and they they offer him no assistance. They let people die frequently, like right? Because yeah. there's also even the the young girl, yeah, the who young girl who's insane. accused of a witch. Um, which uh, is actually, from what I understand, a, hinor- a historical anachronism that, like, the witch hunts and the Black Plague didn't really happen at the same time. And also, like, didn't reach Sweden to the extent that they yeah, reached other parts they... of Europe. Like, Bergman took a lot of liberties when it comes to historical elements. But I kind of forgive it because... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't it's, take this movie as like... historically accurate. I don't, like, I, I don't, I don't even I don't think, think it, it's trying to it matters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of forgave that because it seemed like they're like she's the cause of the of the plague. Like if we just kill her, the plague will go away. Like it seemed like they were trying to make a reason for all the pain in the world. Yeah. And that sort of thing did happen in certain girl. eras, especially. They, they, um, were, they were doing the Nosferatu thing. Like if you kill the vampire, then all everybody else gets yeah. <laughs> gets better. Um, oh my god! And I do kind of like that they take a moment where. Where John says, uh, you know, I thought about killing the soldiers, but she's like almost dead anyway. <laughs> like, like he kind of <laughs> just goes like, is she worth saving? Yeah. And they're like, this girl's kind of gone crazy because of whatever's been done to her. Slash just whatever was wrong with her to get her accused in the first place. Like, you know, it's so interesting. I, I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. First, I, I. I had such a mixed, I had mixed thoughts about that because there was a moment where he was asking her the second time, like right before she was about to be put on the pyre, 
um of like oh where where's the devil can you see him and she's like oh he's behind you he's around us and like at first i'm like oh she's crazy but then she says this thing and i don't know if i just like pulled it out of it but she's like well everyone else can see it so why can't you like this kind of like assumption of oh everyone else believes that i'm crazy so why why don't why aren't you like jumping on yeah. that and so it kind of seemed like this like depressing I, I questioned whether or not she was actually insane. Yeah, I feel but... like it was the sense that everybody has has said it to the point where she's like, well, it must be true. Like, she's just kind of, it's like a resigned yeah. acceptance to the awfulness around her, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a coping, mm -hmm. coping mechanism. Like, if you can't, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, like you say, I'm possessed by right. the devil. And like, I tried, she probably already tried to deny it and like, that obviously isn't going to work. <laughs> so like at a certain point, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I see the devil. What a, what of it? But she might, she might be, she might be making, I mean, this is the interesting thing about this movie, right? Like, it's like, you hear these things, like it's a movie that is very dialogue driven. Like it says, Danielle said, like that you mm -hmm. find yourself, I found myself writing down lines of dialogue because I go like, this is a beautiful way to put it. Or this is a, this is a food for thought. She might be just saying like, you know, like everybody's mad with this religious belief that there is a God and the devil. And she said like, why, why are you the only one who cannot see it? She's, she's basically telling him, why are you questioning your faith? Like you, you just came back from the crusade. You're 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 yeah. wearing the freaking cross across your chest, and then you don't believe that the devil is all is all around. I mean, when we mentioned, I don't know if it was during the podcast or before we started that uh, Danielle, you mentioned that you cried, and I, I like the scene where she's dying. That's where I found myself in tears because mm. they just go. You see him being moved by what he's witnessing, yeah. and then the squire comes in and says, and says, "Look at her face." Like, what has she realized? What is she seeing that we are not, that we are either not seeing or we're yet to be in that moment? And then he said, like, is she, is she, uh, and it just moved me because. John has she... a moment of like pure empathy with her. Yes. Where he's like, where he's like, she is, she is seeing what we will all see. Yes. You know, she knows what all of us will eventually know. She knows, she knows death now while she's alive, you know. And and he like right. can't, and she's so young. And she's so young. Yeah, it's. It's the real. thing the thing that got me the specific phrase is, is where he said is she looking at the face is she looking at the face of god or is she looking just at emptiness and it's like that's his fear that's his fear. his fear is just yeah. to have dedicated his entire life yeah. to the pursuit of something and then dying and that something never is like god is silent god is like it's the fear because, of every religious person it's like is this a lie it's, it's the reason i think initially religion started Right. Is right. that fear of the emptiness, right? That fear that like, mm -hmm. there is something right. beyond experience that is completely and utterly unknowable. And so we're gonna, we're gonna justify it in all the ways in which religion has justified, you know, come up with. Right. And like, we've done it all over the planet, all across history, this like, imagining of what happens when death and just it is and i think it comes from that fear of of the emptiness right that fear mm -hmm. of 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 not being able to appreciate what happened right <laughs> of of all of this and it's very it's very palpable in in all of us i think um and i i wanted to mm -hmm. kind of backtrack because to touch on something that you brought up which is that Antonius Block is basically the only one we see question his faith. Um, 
everyone else has decided. And like John's is, or Jan's, I, I imagine, uh, his squire is like firmly in the atheist camp, right? He's already decided that it's all bullshit and that the Crusades were for nothing. Uh, you know, we can see that with his conversation with the painter. Yeah. Um, you know, early and in the we, film. And just his take on how he, he treats people. Like, he's got this sense of of morality to himself, but he clearly doesn't believe in God or the afterlife. He's so chaotic. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's definitely, he's kind of a nihilist to a certain extent, uh, but he's a loyal a loyal nihilist to his, you know, he's loyal to his, to his uh, master and to his own code, but we can tell that he's very decided and most everyone else is kind of the other way where they are mm. fully enwrapped in the, their belief, right? From the flagellants to uh, even the actor who sees the Virgin Mary in the first like scene that we, that we meet him. Right. He wakes up in the morning and he sees a vision of the Virgin Mary and he, you know, it's like he is absolutely firm in his belief of the supernatural, of the, mm -hmm. you know, of angels and of, and, but he also sees death, right? Does that tell us that it's all real? Right? <laughs> when, yeah. when Antonio, you know, when An Antonius Block is, is just questioning every moment and death almost seems to confirm his fear that there's nothing like i wrote down the line uh my the, the one that really hit me was uh right uh like the last time he talks to death before the end uh he says will you tell me nothing and death responds that uh. i have nothing to tell you know he's like i have no secrets there mm -hmm. is nothing i am nothing and i looked up some different translations uh and like the ones I found online were different than the ones in the the version that we watched. Uh, but they all kind of amount to that, right? Where death seems to confirm that there's no afterlife. There is nothing, right? It's interesting because, like, you when you see that scene and then you go back to the scene where he's a priest and Block is asking all these questions, you see this look in his eyes where he's like, it's almost like he he just doesn't have anything to give him it's like he feels bad for him almost like oh wow you're having all these questions i i can't say anything he, he has a reaction that you wouldn't think a priest would have where he offers um, no solace that's right none not not at all that's and, not but, it, but it almost seems like he feels yeah right that's true um yeah i feel like i had more to say but i don't remember <laughs> oh, i hope um, i didn't <clears throat> No, 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 no. It's, it's, I feel uh, I feel that the character the character of the squire it's it's a cynic. It's a person that have seen have seen definitely. so many things, and then he goes through like like every single piece of dialogue, unless he's doing something that looks that feels noble and feels well intended. The rest of the time, he's just complaining about life. He's just like and and most I say to well, he's got the like, the thing where he loves love. Yeah. Love is perfect and his imperfection. And, you know, and the interest he kept going back and forth with that though, because he yeah. went to save the the mute mute girl. I didn't realize um until the end. Yeah, she only says one thing in the I whole mean, the whole uh, the whole film, movie. Yeah. 
but but he has this moment where he saves her and you think like oh yeah he's a nobleman and then he tries to kiss her and she's like not about it and he's like well i could have raped yeah. you yeah. like i could have like you owe me That's... this thing and i was like wow he's trash i know like, like but I, then he, he goes makes back you go and forth so back like and forth saving. on his character mm-hmm. because there's also like i felt like you i was like oh wow like way to just immediately make me hate you but then like when they get to the girl who's about to be burned and he's like I considered killing all the guards. Like, there's like eight of them. And he's like, you know, he's like, yeah. I considered killing it, but, you know, I just feel like, what would we even be saving? Uh, and that kind of like brought him back around a little bit to me. But I, I do think calling him a cynic is is accurate, Jose. Well, you know, like I, I, I was having actually a conversation last night about um, about some of these topics. I mean, it's not. I'm not going to go in it, but um, there are certain behaviors that we. Uh, that you witness in another person. And because of the times that we're living, then we assign much more to a certain behavior or a certain aspect of a person. And then, I mean, it's like, it's like what happened in politics these days, you know, like, like one single opinion could make you, could make you to the eyes of everybody stigmatized into one side or another. And I don't think that it's like, if, if we exist, if we exist in a world that is discovering that there are more tones of grays than whites and blacks, then we need to also apply it to these. Like if you it, like look look, there is one thing that I don't know if it's true or not. But Berman Berman is not necessarily, it's not necessarily a, a man that is being remembered for being um, good to women. Um, and then this film is extremely misogynistic. This is filmed that like most of the jokes, most of the things that men do, or like when he sits and talks to the uh, to the Smith. And then the entire dialogue is just complaining about like little details here and there, and they're making making fun about like behaviors of women or things like. So this is not needed. Yeah, and the blacksmith's field. wife, who has the most to do of all the women, is not painted in a particularly flattering light. Correct, correct. So then it's a film. Right. So it's a film. I, I, there is this thing that I carry with Berman films. And I don't know if it's a personal perception. I have no idea. Like it makes me almost feel that Berman likes to make movies to try to explain how terrible of a human being he feels he is. Because his movies explore mm. aspects and it's like the way that he decompresses the fact that he got married like 17 times, yeah. that probably he neglected all his children. Like, you know, like he is, he's this revered. It reminds me of uh, <clears throat> uh, Vertigo. If you guys have ever seen Alfred seen Vertigo. Vertigo. Yeah. It is a very self-damning mm-hmm. kind of self-reflective yeah. in a very unflattering light about the way in which Alfred Hitchcock himself treats women uh, in kind of a very yeah. similar vein mm-hmm. to this. Uh, it also kind of reminds me, uh, one sec, Daniel. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it also kind of reminds me of uh, when we talked about Nosferatu and kind of that like zeitgeist element and what is unintended versus what is intended and how like you know uh and even in uh metropolis like that was a movie that like you know a jewish filmmaker made that got turned into propaganda and like there is kind of this element that like we operate within a society and as that changes we have no idea how our work will age right and so there's like those elements where we talk about john's that like you know, how have they aged versus how were they perceived at the time versus what is the commentary of the time in which the film is supposed to take place, right? Where, mm. you know, the idea of rape 
to a crusader might seem very casual, you know, like the, like the Bible is full of crap, like rape and mass rape, you know, history even. Um, so it's, you know, there is potential commentary on, on, on that. Uh, Danielle, what were you going to get into? Um, I think I read a little bit on Wikipedia about Bergman's life where, and I don't know if I'm, if I misread it, so I'd have to double check, but I think it, it, it basically supports what you were saying, Jose, about um, him having this like resentment towards himself. Like, I think when he was a kid, he had, it said when he was specifically six, he had this weird fascination with Hitler. And ever since then, when he like, you know, grew up and realized what all of the Holocaust was, he always hated himself for that, for being so naive to like, believe that. So that was more of like a, I think that is confirmation that he is self-critical and um it is it's it's interesting because like i think watching this film now especially um makes it hit a little bit harder because because of the whole idea of a plague this whole idea of like questioning life um it it, i felt that a lot more because of that i think we're seeing uh, i I feel like we didn't really intend to make these films so modern topical but like we're looking at these really old films that are you know like upwards of a hundred years old and they feel so poignant today because you know like we are kind of seeing history repeat you know and it's like i feel like as kind of a 90s kid i grew up in a time where the world felt new and different and it was yeah. like a bold new frontier and like anything could happen. But what ended up happening and but there was always like people who were like, watch history, be careful, it could come back. You know, you see those kind of like prophets who are out there going, don't get complacent. You know, if things look good from your perspective, it might just be your perspective. And we're really seeing in a big way, you know, a decade or two beyond that, that like history is repeating. And like, you know, we do have a lot of these old dangers as old as the plague for crying out loud. Right. Um, you know, we thought we had a handle and we do have a handle on certain types of plague. Uh, and there are certain kinds that, you know, we can regulate very easy, but also the way the world's changed, it's left us open to new kinds of, of the same old problem, right? (laughs) Like our interconnectedness has opened the door to old problems coming back in new ways and it's it's very kind of interesting uh that we are looking at these old films and they do feel so present it's it's a little it's a little bit of a bummer <laughs> yeah <it's... laughs> um yeah. i wanted to mention something like like uh trailing on, on the last thing that you said danielle uh, like if you watch Berman, I don't know how many Berman films have you seen, or if this is the first one that you've seen. Um, but to my mind, to my mind, like I, I don't know if I am mistaking, but he has another film called Strawberry Fields. Um, unless I am completely mistaken with the name, but there is he the themed, the themes of questioning death 
and the themes of the autumn of like he has autumn sonata which is another of his films and that they there is a consistency on certain philosophical themes that make you that that can are not are, they're not a coincidence like a filmmaker will not do several films about this theme unless it's something that is deeply disturbing to him and i feel that the pursuit of yeah. the, the pursuit of of reason the pursuit of meaning was probably very and as you say like if you if you see his history he's probably uh, trying to figure out like is this a good life if i die like because to a certain degree what john was saying you know like you said that eventually we created um religion to avoid the void to avoid the emptiness and then when you sit and then you think about what religion offers it's no better than emptiness and a void i mean it's it's the, it, it comes with the possibility the promise of, of eternal torture which is by no means it's just it's it's a boundary it tells you you do this and then you're gonna get like heroin for the lesser for the rest of your life with sheriffs and shit like that or you're gonna just burn in hell and go like i'll take the void i'll take the void like nine out of nine times you know like you know what i mean so it's it's that it's 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 clearly it's clearly a pivotal part of this filmmaker um uh and i do want to say just to like be clear that like my statement about religion is a is a, a simplification and like i don't mean it to be all-encompassing or uh offensive in any way to people who might watch this who are religious uh, because religion does a lot of things, but I, I just kind of felt like I've always felt like the impetus for its beginning is, is kind of afterlife, right. And explanation, but it's also a lot of just like, you know, what are we? And then it yeah. becomes a moral compass. And I think that the morality is kind of actually an evolution of religion as opposed to like a founding, a foundational element. But it is a big part of it, right? Like, yeah, they're they're in this movie. You know, you've got the flagellants who are like, we repent. You know, this idea that humanity's been so bad that we can only make up by punishing ourselves by pain, <laughs> right? Through pain. Uh, and I, you suffering. know, I, that logic, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's a Roman Catholic perspective. It's like, it's, yeah, but it's, it, it was it's, a, it's yeah, it was a very, very a very large. Save us from ourselves. Yeah, a very yeah. large portion of the population really absorbed and internalized that rhetoric of, of you know, atonement through suffering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, as opposed to what I would kind of expect is, like, you know, to do good in place of evil. But instead, yeah. it's like, let me just punish myself. Yeah, because they don't know how to do good, right? Yeah, because it's simpler, and then and then the idea the idea of self pain it's it's at least more relatable than the idea of like oh this is good, and then the next person sees it and go like no that's not good. So it's more complicated to do good than than to inflict self pain. So it's like the easiest way out is to is to just do it to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I have a couple of phrases that I wrote down, and I want to just like read them back to you guys and yeah. see what it from comes from. From the film? From the film, yes. Um, it's interesting, when we were talking about like the squire, when he saves the girl and he goes like, I could have raped you. Um, 
and what he says is that I could have raped you, but I've grown tired of that kind of love. And it's just so loaded. It's just like, yeah. so it means it's that so he, he has, he had yeah. raped. Like this is a common practice. He's raped and him. pillaged. What do you think and the then, and, were? And, yeah. And then he says, I'm tired. I've grown tired of that kind of love. And it's so loaded. And then, but then he saves her life again. Then basically he forces her to come with him. Um, and then you see them later embracing. I mean, you see that there is some sort of relationship happening there. Um, but and he, he's also he's, married. And he, he just assumes his Assumes wife is that dead. the wife is dead. I mean, it's, it's, he is such mm -hmm. a borderline. I mean, the, like he, as, as you guys say, like one line could make you like him mm -hmm. and another one could make you hate him. Um, and yeah. it's so because that line also implies that where he was a monster, he thinks differently now. Now, but like how you know, it, I think it brings up a question of atonement and where it's possible. Like, where's the line? What, mm -hmm. how much atrocity can you get away with and still atone and still be perceived as good or to perceive yourself as good, right? Right. Yeah, Danielle. Yeah. I kind of wanted to like talk a little bit more about the the squire. I'm so bad with names, but um, he Johns. when it's he has that moment of jo Johns or Johns yeah, or Johns, it would be Johns. It has like a little Johns. Yeah. Okay. And it's actually yeah, it's okay. the O oh, where it's probably like Johns with that with the with the thing Jons. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he has. I feel like I feel like I kind of touched on this already, but I thought it was so interesting how back and forth he is as a character because like you said Jose, he does like reveal a lot about himself with the lotus loaded things he says like he has raped in the past. He has um like he thinks of it as a type of love which is insane to me. But then he it seems like he realizes this about him about himself because when he sees the um uh, I don't remember his name, but the guy who had convinced his lord to go to the crusades in general, right. it's like yeah. he has this resentment for he's like, you did this to yeah, me. So if I see you again, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna mark you so that we you know again because he he has a weird self-awareness of it it's like he just goes with his own like not blase but like this this he's like this is just who i am and i have to accept it yeah. that character is strange too in that like he he gets away with his robbing the dead right and then what's he do he goes right. to the bar and he just causes trouble yeah like he takes the blacksmith's side but he's not the offended party Right. Like he he winds up torturing the actor for no good reason at all, you know, and like everybody else just like clapping along. Uh, just like that was so heartbreaking. Yeah, the, the horror. He of was humanity. like, did I offend anyone? Yeah, He's literally well, he, like, he what the hell's happening? Was like, yeah, yeah, it was very sad. Is that why he deserves um, to live? Okay. Um. You know, Maybe. like, I was kind of, uh, I wrote down a question in my very few notes that I wrote down, was like, it was just about why, like, who lives and who dies in this film? Like, why does everybody mm. die? You know, because, like, death death tells Antonius Block that I will come for you and your companions, right? And they, 
and by that time there's like six of them in the last scene death is a seventh uh i think that's probably significant um but yeah they all they all die and as does the 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 senior actor you know we see we see a lot of death not necessarily the thief he might actually live just marked (laughs) uh well no wasn't he the one who died died that's the the plague plague? i think he's not the same one yeah, he's the same. He's the same one. Oh, it's not the same guy. No, he's the same guy. He didn't guy. have a. a I scar thought it was the same guy. Face. Oh, he did not. Uh, he did. I think I it was the same. I think it was I, a random. I think it was just a random guy. No, I could be mistaken though. I think it's the I, same guy, and then and then the mark. The so mark in that case, yeah, little. everybody we everybody we know, as a character, basically dies. I think they all died of the play. Aside I think that from, that's what happened. Aside from the 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 couple and their young child. Right. Which is which is right. the redeeming aspect that like he goes and dies peaceful. I mean, like like the character of Mas von Zero, like the knight. That's the thing. Remember that he, there was a part where he's saying, "I'm looking for an act. I'm, I'm looking for one meaningful thing." And then one meaningful thing is after he has that moment of peace, and he says, "I will remember this moment of peace." Um, and then he feels like this is the he had witnessed. Well, and who brings that peace? It is those three characters. That's the right. point. Yeah. It's the, convers- it's the conversation scene. with, I'll call her the wife for the lack of a better title. I don't know what her character name is. But they're. Mia? Mia. 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 Uh, oh, yeah, I could look it up. Mia or Mia. Um, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he has the conversation with Mia. I mean, I, I'm not good with it. The, so. the actor himself plays the liar, you know, and he's enchanted by the, the child, you know, like those three elements. I mean, the others kind of bring additional company to that scene. I did want to kind of bring us back to that scene because I feel like the yeah. film turns on that scene, yes. right? Where it that was, yeah. Go ahead. I there were like three pivotal pivotal moments of like when I got like when I felt just so emotional, and that was like the middle the mid midpoint of the movie. But it just, it felt like a lot of the meaning came from that, where he had been so skeptical and he had been so almost resentful of like life, of God, of his religion, his faith. And then all of a sudden he's like, wow, this was, this made it worth it. This It's like, the most life-affirming scene in the whole, in the whole movie, you know? And even mm-hmm. though it's one little scene, like it is the scene that sticks with you, I feel like. I mean, there's several scenes yeah. that stick with you. But like, there's something about that scene. Uh, even the way it's shot, it's so bright. Like, I mean, he does wind up kind of when when the scene ends, he goes uh, behind the shadow of a rock to play chess with death one once more. Like he leaves the light. But that scene is so it's in an open field. It's one of the few scenes in which they're not in the shade or indoors or at night. Like most of the film is actually really dark. And this scene really stood out to me in its openness. Like there are a couple times where they're on the shore that I guess is open, but like this one, they're lounging around, you know, it does kind of look like a painting of a beautiful day, you know, in the open. Uh, And And the idea of like, the idea of them, like just having this humble meal of strawberries and milk, like, like, that they had to gather. And it, it was just, it and like to see how Mia, she's the only person whose name I actually remember. It's funny. Um, she hearing how 
I guess, depressed this this night is. She she just so badly was like, please, won't you have? Please, and he's I just resistant want you to be. at They're first, so right? Genuine. He like doesn't want the yeah. berries, and she like insists. You know, like no, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy yourself. You for deserve a to have this. Like I can tell yeah. that your your introspection alone like proves to me that you're good or that you have good in you you know regardless of anything else you may have done you know he seemed because he's very regretful of everything but like that alone implies something good yeah it and i don't know if we want to get to this point yet but like even comparing (laughs) like that moment to when he finally arrives home and he sees his wife and she's like do you regret this and he's like no i have no regrets i that hit me really hard Mm -hmm. and then to when they finally meet death and to see how everyone's like just somber they they kind of come up and accept what's happening he's the only one who i guess he does accept it in a way but he he is just like immediately like no god i know you're there he still wants proof of god he doesn't want to go without it right yeah but it's almost like he he's like no i know you're there like i don't need the proof but also like he still wants it but he he's just so emotional that that made me cry a little bit just seeing him so worked up about it and how everyone else was so like yeah this is my name this is who i am this is what i can offer um or that you're taking away and it's just like and then what the squire says when he says like oh you know i could have given you something for your pain so you wouldn't have to feel this but you know why don't we just feel the thrill of being alive one last time Mm -hmm. just it that whole scene just threw me for a loop and yeah Yeah, that's why it's crazy everybody kind of gets their last moment right and the mute girl says something for the first time she's she gets the last line in the scene she says this is the end right she just states the obvious Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) and you know, it's I. I found myself going like, you know, why, why the long silence, you know, or or is she actually just mute? And because this is the end, she's able to kind of speak for the first time. I was kind of wondering about what is the symbolism there with her, right. um, but everybody else kind of gets a little something about their character in at the last moment, right? Yeah. I think that that also speaks to human nature that we all kind of want to express who we are right up to the very end. Um, and, you know, mm. and uh, Black's wife, who we don't really get to know very well, still has a very strong character, like in a very, in like two scenes, right? That she's mm. got, um, she reads us the seven seal passage that we heard at the beginning of the film. She reads that in its full, like she's a very, she's very dutiful. Um, and at the end, she's very kind of strong and she's like, you know, she just wants to have the moment be somber and sacred. Whereas, you know, Jans is like, he wants to go down talking. (laughs) She's like, would you be quiet? (laughs) Yes, but I do so under protest. Like those are his final words that he goes out under protest. Uh, I kind of, I, I do kind of like how that moment encapsulates everybody in just like a couple of li- a line or two at the end right. that they each get right mm-hmm. i mean i i am um, the jester like the the family which is probably the one 
thing that that was worth saving in the whole thing is like the, the sensation of hope and also it feels almost like by witnessing the, this he this jester with his visions and then she the, the wife keeps saying like oh there again with your visions there again with your visions he feels like the narrator like the the person that lets us see that this is actually happening and then that witnesses and survives it and then t leaps to tell the story right um right. Somebody always that, lives to tell the story, right? Totally always. Otherwise, there's no story mm -hmm. to tell. Otherwise, there's no story. <laughs> there's no story to tell. How many stories have been lost? I have two more. Two more phrases. I think that I that I took from the that I that I wrote down. Sure. Yeah, um, and I think we want to kind of uh, use this as our chance to kind of wrap right. up. Um, one of but them. Yeah. Let me hear what you got. One of them that was I found it very funny. This this movie is it's it's um it's dark humor. It has a lot of dark humor, mm. especially around death and the squire and all stuff. But there's one where he says, um, a skull is almost as interesting as a naked woman. No, it's almost more interesting than a naked woman. And then he's just basically saying like people are interesting. Because I remember there is this scene where he's talking to the knight and then the knight says most people Who don't. says this line? Uh, the squire. The squire, I think, I think he says it. And then because um, I think he says it when he's talking to the painter in the church. Yeah. He goes, a skull is almost, or maybe it was the painter who said, a skull is almost most in, more interesting than a naked woman. Just like, you know, based on, based on, on, on a man's oriented world uh, where that will cut their attention uh, because they're, they're kind of like arguing the fact that most people do not trouble themselves with these philosophical and existential thoughts. And then when they're seeing the witch burn, he said, yeah, but there is always this moment in which you can avoid but thinking about it. It's like nobody, unless you die, you die suddenly, unless you're not aware that you're dying, like if you are aware that you are dying, like of course your mind is going to go. If, if, if it's for the first time in your life, you're going to have to have these thoughts. You're going to be questioned. You're going to be like, is this real? Or where am I going? The void, like oh, these things will happen by to every single person. I mean, in, in one way or another. Um, I don't know. You guys want to comment about that? Or you want me to read the second one that I? I want to hear down? the second one. The second one is um, how how are we to believe the believer if we don't believe ourselves? Um, you know, like he's oh, he, it's yeah. it was so it, it was like faith is personal. What a line! Faith is it's like yeah. why like if I cannot like everybody seems it's like the thing that that she says. You know, like everybody sees the devil. Why don't you? And it's like, why are we to believe the believers if we can't believe or if we don't believe ourselves? And it's like, fuck this movie. It's just like, it's yeah. like giving you thoughts. It's got some wonderful <laughs> existentialism. It's, Can I ask you guys a personal yeah. question? No. Do you? I'm going to answer. You don't have to answer. It's a rhetorical question. Ask. It's a rhetorical uh, question. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to know. I, I'm curious, though. Um, on like maybe a sliding scale how how scary is death are you guys afraid of death in a large in a big way like because you know you watch something like this and i feel like depending on how you already are going in you know this might make you more relaxed about death or it might make you more anxious about it like do you guys fear death in a big way i'm just it's something i'm I'm curious about for everybody because I feel like so many people go through long lives and even at the end are extremely fearful and like to an extent, sure, but I'm just kind of curious, like in a healthy state, 
that you both appear to be in now is that is that a big fear or or is it something that you don't tend to worry about uh danielle i guess i i go back and forth um i i think a lot of this movie made me think the i felt like there was a big scale of like you know death making you think of like there's this like end where everything that you know will not be a thing anymore like you're not you're just there's a void but then there's this like there's the other side of like you can enjoy all the beauty that life has to have and all the pain that life has to have so i feel like when i am like calm cool collected i'm like well yeah i'm very accepting of like oh yeah, well, maybe I'm going to go through periods of my life where I suffer emotionally, physically, whatever. And then, but then there's also the beautiful moments and I take solace in that. But then I also have moments of like, what if I, I question like, if I don't, what if I never see beauty again? What if I never get to experience things? Yeah. Like, what if you I end on a, on a have... bad note, right? Right. Like, right. what if you die burning and... at the stake as opposed to in your bed surrounded by loved ones kind of a right and and just the uncertainty of like of that of like you don't know when it's gonna end like i personally uh just was diagnosed with like a chronic illness and it's it's like weird because i feel like i'm this young person who seems like they should be healthy but then it's like you question like everything that you think could be that you thought was going to be could also not be so it's just like it's like a game of chess it's like you're constantly like you think you have the upper hand because you have the strategy and then all of a sudden you're in check and you're like oh so personally i go back and forth with that, that was really um, i think that's uh, why it made me really it was really elegant and beautiful i would I, I almost want to end on that but jose if you if you've got <laughs> <laughs> if you have responses, I put out the question. I mean, now, you now you're putting me like, it's like you need to give me something to end. You don't have to. You can't beat that. Because um... I feel like that, that really, uh, I feel like I just want to say I concur. I concur. You know, I with concur. Because it, it is a thing where it's not a constant state. Um, mm. And I think that as I've gotten older, I'm less often afraid of the void. But... There are those moments, both when things are good and when things are bad, when the idea of of not being able to have those moments later, of losing them in like in just like the most absolute manner, is scary, and is you know is is uh, existentially terrifying. But I do think that most most of the time, I feel like I've had enough good that even if a meteor fell out of the sky and hit my house right like i'm okay it'd be like peace <laughs> you know like i like i got to i got to meet jose you know we got, got, we got to, to meet each other we got to do this podcast we know, got to talk about these we got to do this podcast you know i met my wife who's amazing and like have had again and again great moments there and like i have witnessed awful tragedy and deep pain to the point where sometimes I wonder if I'm almost numb to it, you know? So like, because 
I feel like the older I get, the more depth of experience I've got, the more I'm kind of okay with the idea. We did, right. Uh, you know, but, uh, but that's not to say that it's constant. And I think you really hit the, the nail on the head with, uh, with just how it shifts, you know, depending on where you're at. Uh, but I want to go out like Antonius Block saying I have no regrets. <laughs> you know, that's right. that's the goal. And I feel like most of the time I have no regrets. You know, there's other there's other negative emotions, but that's one I tend to avoid. Because, you know, if you regret something, that means you would undo it. And that means you would change your present. And, you know, I hate the idea of, of that. All right, Jose, you want to take us out with something? Um, I mean, I, I, I have to concur. No pressure. I, I go back and forth on this uh, for some reason, like in the last couple of years, um, the idea, like the idea of dying has, has been like nothing is happening to me. Nothing is that. But for some reason, the, the idea got stuck and I've been thinking about it. And then I got through my moments in which is terrifying. The idea of dying is terrifying. Another was in which it feels that... Um, that is something that I want to welcome at some point. And um, I feel more inclined towards the void because the void, because you won't feel the void because the void is, you know, like uh, this is what I do. You can remember the void if you just think about before you were born. Like think about this every time, every time that mm. you wake up in the morning, you're regaining consciousness, right? And then if you, mm. if you imagine, yeah. I, know, I dream all night long, so I really, actually don't know but, but, but still when you're dreaming, <laughs> night, night. when you're dreaming, you are in, in this state in which, in which reality is all like mash up and then you don't really like, like it's, uh, it's subjective. And then sometimes you just wake up and then you're like, oh fuck. Oh yeah, I'm alive. And I feel like if death is that sleep in which you just don't wake up, it doesn't seem that bad. Because I yeah. wouldn't like it, it, my worries. They would be. You no won't worries. have the ability to know fear, right? Exactly. You won't have the ability exactly. to know pain or to know terror anymore. This is, this is and so, it, like the idea that you would be afraid of it is it's going to dilute. I mean, the moment, in the face of that, right? Right. I mean, I, I there's two things that I want to mention before before we go. One of them, there is this movie with Nicolas Cage. I don't remember the movie, but he 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 drives an ambulance or something like that. He's an EMT. Wait, uh, well, bringing out the dead. Bringing out, is, is it's that called the, bringing out the dead. Okay. Scorsese. Yeah, correct. And then there is a line where he says, "Like we start dying from the moment that we're born," and it's just like like your life is that your life is just your body growing and deteriorating yeah. so basically you are like you're playing chess yeah. with you constantly like, i mean that's why I, you know i feel like we we put so much tragedy on young death yeah right because it's like you didn't even have the chance to have what little there is you know to and, have and, and, like and, experience do you that's know all there is right do you know what it's it, like i feel i feel that one of the biggest thing that we can take out of this movie it's the fact that like he was looking he was looking he he went to a fucking war for god right like his life is interesting it's full it's 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 moving it's doing all these things and yet he comes back and then he sees death mm. and then he says i need one thing to do to like after everything he has done and it it makes me remember that is this phrase from from maybe from a greek philosopher i don't remember who said like, wealth is not about having too many things it's about having fewer ones 
um, and it's almost like saying it's almost like it saying, might just be a proverb <laughs> right it's it's yeah. it's like if you're gonna die then you're gonna like if you are in the presence of death you start moving faster than you moved before because you want to just not go with regret and regret is probably mm -hmm. simply the fact of saying of being content with what you have and then find the beauty on it than trying to change your complete reality because that's the, because that's what media tells us to do you know it's like change the world make it better the leave the life. world a better place that you found it and right. it's all this pressure when maybe just an afternoon with your mom and your dad or your dog or your wife or your son or something could fulfill you right. in such or a way five strangers that you say like hillside like like it's, it's <laughs> i think it's it's a very reflective it's a very reflective yeah. thing it's 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 not about it's not about leaving ambition behind it's just it's about understanding that i mean i met you i met danielle now i did the, i did this podcast i know that i know that my life could not be the same since the moment I met you, I know that I have influenced your life in a certain way. So why is that not enough? Why could you just yeah. go and say, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a billion people. It could be just like paying for somebody's tuition one day, giving a person five dollars in the street one day are waiting for only one and then seeing their face light up. And go, Nobody ever gives me five bucks. You know, like if that if that <laughs> doesn't count, then what do you fucking want? Right. It's like yeah. this man found a reason to die peacefully from strawberries and milk like it's yeah. after fighting and on a that war note, <laughs> i think we'll i think we'll wrap up yeah uh, wrap this it, got, wrap you know this got kind of heavy a lot of these older movies are very existential <laughs> and heavy and you know yeah. i think I, I love it though it's gonna like, reflect that that's what good like, art's for though right yeah. right yeah. right it's like we get to talk about the thing that we all think we're the only ones thinking mm -hmm. about it. Yeah, and Did you have these moments where you see something on film, and it's really digging into something where you're like, "Oh wow!" Like somebody else not only has had a similar thought, but like went through the effort to make a whole film about it. Yeah, you know, like we, you know, the shared human experience is what it's all about. Life is a paradox, like and this has been views in paradox. Yeah. Uh, I've been your host. John in Paradox. You can find me on Instagram at John in Paradox. Uh, you can find our uh, show uh, Instagram at Views in Paradox. It's a good one. Uh, and join us on Facebook at uh, the Views in Paradox Film Club Collective. Uh, as of recording, I just changed the name, but it will have been that way for some time by the time you see this. Uh, Jose, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm enjoying this series very, very much. Yeah. Uh, Danielle, thank you for joining us as well. As always, thank you for having me. I very thoroughly enjoy being a part of this podcast. Uh, if you want to find me, I am on Instagram at Danielle Stories, exactly how you would think it would be spelled. Uh, yeah. All right. And next week, we are going to be diving into Seven Samurai. We've got kind of a Sevens thing going on. Uh, I think that that film will have some some new themes for us, but some similar ones as well. Uh, I, uh, have you seen it, Danielle? Have you seen? I have okay, not. Yeah. I've seen a lot of like examples yeah, of references it because to it's just it so and, visually. Yeah, uh, I think so. I'm the only one who's seen this one. Yeah, uh, it is. It is our longest film yet. So, oh you wow, know, be prepared. I feel like that's why a lot of people don't watch like, it. Is just the three hour it's like tag. Three and a half yeah. hours. Uh, it's just a little over yeah. three. Um, 
Okay. So, you know, it's not as long as The Irishman, but it is pretty long. <laughs> um, right. I'm excited. I'm yeah, excited. It's a There's good one. a lot to digest. Uh, I think then. you guys are going to like it. And uh, until next time, everyone, this has been VIP Classics. Uh, watch more movies.